In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven... The shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thank you. Andrew, and thank you, Inspirations, for your music, and thanks to the Stanford family for leading us in the lighting of the Advent wreath. The day has finally come when we can light the Christ candle, and we rejoice in that. When we consider the second chapter of Luke's Gospel, so very familiar, yet we come every year longing to hear it again and again and again, hopefully hearing something new or something we've forgotten, speaking to the the depths of our heart, and in that we find the miraculous sandwiched by the ordinary, like much of our lives from one day to the next. The first seven verses, the record of Jesus' birth, stated like a historian might tell it, time and place, without hint of miracle or anything out of the ordinary. It's told, as a historian would, to answer the question, how is it that Jesus of Nazareth happened to be born in Bethlehem, in the city of David? And then in verses 8 through 20, we delve into the miraculous, speaking choirs of angels and shepherds who, who heard them and all the other wonderful things that happened on that night so long ago. And at the end of eight days, he was circumcised, and uh, that gets into the account following the birth narrative, and you'll hear more about that on Sunday. I hope you'll come back for that. 
But what I want us to do for the next few minutes is to hear again portions of Luke's story, just for a moment or two, even though we've heard it so many times before, how the familiar still speaks to us. And let's listen for the ordinary and the miraculous. And maybe we leave this place and move into a new year, thinking of all the ordinary things, things that seem so ordinary, but how the miraculous things of God often get intertwined in these everyday events. Maybe a bit more attentive to the way that God is moving in this world and making a difference and calling us to know that even though we seem to be ordinary folks in so many ways, that there are miraculous things happening and we want to be a part of that. Luke begins the birth narrative by talking about King Herod or so-called King Herod. He was just allowed to rule or allowed to make decisions by the Roman governors, the Roman authorities, as long as he didn't interfere with what they wanted to do and as long as there was peace in the land. But Herod had an awful reputation. And his son, one of his sons, Archelaus, who succeeded him, was also a tyrant and took advantage of his own people. Emperors and laws served the purposes of God, though, even when these folks didn't realize what was going on, God was working through them to bring about God's will and God's rule in the land. Caesar Augustus, an instrument of God's rule and, and God's power, but not the chief character in this story. God works miracles to be sure, but God works without them too. So let's talk about this for just a moment. The Roman dominion extended over the known world at that time, that part of the world, the Mediterranean world, reached over to the island of Britain and east and two parts of Asia. Wherever the Roman legions marched, folks were afraid. They dominated things. They were the power. They were the big dog on the block. And under the rule of Augustus, the very name of Rome meant wealth and power and authority. Then in a corner of a conquered province, which was part of the Roman Empire. One night a baby was born. It was in a little town of which the folks had been called to go, Mary and, and Joseph, to make a journey there, both of them poor. And since the only shelter they could find was a stable, and that stable probably in a cave, which was a common thing around the area of Bethlehem, the baby was born, a baby whose name was Jesus. The rest of the town was not concerned. Most of the world had no idea of what was going on. They couldn't hear the angels. They didn't understand how God was working in such a quiet way, in such a small and far off place, not realizing that that's how God often works. In biblical proportions, we might say. In small ways, touching hearts and touching lives, and that has a way of moving out into to the whole world beyond. Far off Rome, Caesar Augustus could not have known about it, would not have listened to it. Another baby born somewhere in the empire, no big deal to him or to most folks. Something as common as the birth of a child, what did it matter? That one life should be added to the mix of millions. Now as between Caesar and Jesus, who would be remembered? Who would have the most impact on the history of this earth? Who would have the most impact on our lives and our hearts? And we know the answer to that question. But folk then didn't know that, didn't know what was happening. Something mightier than a proclamation by an emperor had, 
happened. The decree went out from Caesar Augustus. That was one fact, but the more tremendous fact, God sent forth his son. And the whole meaning of Christian history is wrapped up in that one phrase, that one thing, God sent forth God's son. It appeared that Caesar had all the resources and all the power, but the power of Jesus has lived on way beyond that. God incarnate, God in the flesh, God changing my heart and your heart and walking with us through the darkness of this world, never to abandon us. And then there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock at night. Nothing extraordinary about that. The sheep had to be watched day and night. But within that realm and that ordinary kind of thing, an angel of the Lord appears to shepherds. I mean, come on, would that have been our choice? We normally look up higher on the ladder in this world, the socioeconomic ladder. And if there was such a thing back then, and there was, there always has been shepherds there on the, on the bottom rung of that ladder. Ordinary folks, or even less than that, working folks who had hard work and sometimes dirty work, difficult work. And that's who God chose to reveal this great, glorious good news to. The whole birth narrative by Luke shows us, as does the entire gospel of Luke, God's regard for those who struggle in this world, those who are often left behind and overlooked, those whose voices we have a tendency to ignore and never hear. Luke has a heart for these folks because God has a heart for folks who struggle and who are in difficult places, regardless of how they got there. For this evangelist, the gospel was all-inclusive, from the very poorest to the wealthy, and everyone in between would have a chance to hear this glorious good news, but no one would be overlooked. God's greatest revelation revealed to shepherds, not to the folks in the palaces, not to the folks in the marble halls, but to shepherds. And sometimes we get that notion we're just ordinary folks. There's not much we can do about what's going on. There's not much help we can bring to a hurting world. And then we hear the Christmas story again and we see how God does things and know that God is still at work in that way. What do the angels say? Be not afraid. Seems like what angels were always seeing in the Bible, showing up and just scaring the fool out of people and saying, don't be afraid. I think they had fun with that. For you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign for you. A babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. People back then, especially the poor, saved everything. And when clothes wore out, they tore them into strips and they would use them to wrap babies. They also used them at one other time and Jesus would experience that later when one had died and they would wrap the body or swaddle the body in these bands of cloth. Such it was with our Savior wrapped in bands of cloth. A babe in swaddling clothes lying in a manger and a manger was a symbol of obedience and it was mentioned in this story over and over again. The obedient one, the holy one had come to this world. Jesus the Christ was his name. Glory to God in the highest. 
a Savior, Christ the Lord, a babe born wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger in a feed trough. The whole thing has become so familiar to us that we often don't stop and think about how wild and weird and different that is. The holiest of all to ever be born in less than sanitary conditions in a feed trough. There's something amazing going on here and still is. Yet the wonder and the mystery of the incarnation is in the fact that Jesus brings God close to all of us. We often think of God as far distance, way up there. I still hear folks use the expression sometimes the man upstairs. That's a, a strange kind of expression to me, but this God has come near to walk with us to struggle with us, to suffer with us, to show us the way of light in a world where the darkness threatens to take over. Just listen to the newscast day after day. To believe that God is a strength sufficient for us is, is an amazing thing and should give us a confidence we need to, to finish this difficult year and to embrace a new year, hoping for better things. God with us, God the near, God the understanding, God the close. If we take nothing else away from this service and from this night, I hope we are reminded of that. And some folks here tonight need to know that, need to hear that. Some of you in our lives, we all need to hear that from time to time. Jesus chose his friends from among the fishing fleet at Capernaum and others, tax collectors, other hated and despised folks put together a, a group. I don't know if we'd ever want Jesus to be a personnel manager working for us. We look at the folks that he calls and chooses, but out of the ordinary, out of the working, out of the struggling, miraculous things happen. The angels left, the shepherds headed for the stable in Bethlehem to see this sign. And how odd that the sign was not an angelic course. That was not the sign of the birth of the Savior, but it was a baby. Swaddling clothes in a manger, a baby boy. Why did God opt for the ordinary to enter this world when it could have been done in some drop down from heaven spectacular kind of way? Is there a better example of how in God's world the ordinary and the miraculous often get mixed up together? And some of you have new babies in your families and in your life this past year, and you know what a difference that makes. But this baby, and it's from the shepherds that Mary and Joseph first heard of the angels' visit, the heavenly course. They didn't hear it themselves. They heard it from the shepherds. These two were busy with the chores of childbirth and all that that involved in less than ideal circumstances. The shepherds had seen the child. They began to spread the news. They went back to their fields. They had work to do still. But Mary kept all of these things and pondered them in her heart. And I hope as you leave this place today and move into this holy season with family and friends, that you'll find some time to wonder again about this greatest of all miracles, to ponder these things in your heart, and to allow this Christ child to become the light of your heart, the light of your home, the light of your world. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.